Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the FortiGuard Labs Threat Intelligence Podcasts, where we talk about current threats and trends in the cyber world. My name is Jonas, and today I'm joined by my good buddy, Douglas, our security expert straight from Vancouver. How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing amazingly, man. Uh, it's glad, glad to be alive during this, and I'm very happy to be joining you today so we can discuss a little bit of the huge amount of things that are happening in our threat landscape. Indeed. And one of the topics we always uh, came across is the zero-day topic. So I would like to talk today about um, these kind of happenings. And just um, this week, we at FortiGuard Labs announced uh, that we found more zero-days, um, how this whole process works in detail. But before we start off, I would like to start with the definition of a zero day because personally I get the impression that sometimes the term is used a bit loosely. So from my understanding, a zero day is a vulnerability. It's a bug in a software where vendors are usually not aware about them. And that's why it's called zero day because that's how many days it has been since vendors have been aware of the problem. And once vendors are aware of it, they can work on a patch and um, and release the fix. And so it's not called a zero day anymore. Yes, exactly. And I mean, a zero day is any vulnerability for which there is no patch, right? So uh, the vulnerability, a zero day vulnerability may be one day, zero day, <laughs> or uh, even a hundred days, right? Whereas the case where we've seen over and over, especially with IoT uh, devices that have been... Um, move to end of sale and end of support and uh, and the vendors are not issuing patches for these types of devices. It doesn't mean that those devices aren't out there still, that there are a bunch of these devices on shelves, on stores, everywhere, just waiting for someone um, who is unaware of the, how how flawed these, these systems are to buy them and, and connect them into their house. But yeah, so any vulnerability that that has no patch for it yeah which which is obviously very critical because if there is no patch there's a, a known vulnerability by certain actors which they can abuse for their purposes and get into certain kind of systems so there are multiple ways to prevent um, these problems in the future and, and one of the efforts where we put a lot a lot of effort in is how to find the new zero days and put patches in place before these kind of vulnerabilities are fixed. Um, is it possible that you could give me some um, some a quick overview about how in FortiGuard Labs, uh, especially the, the guys in Vancouver, find these kind of uh, zero days? Oh, sure. So basically, we in order for us to, to, to hunt, let's say, for zero days, we got to come up with a fuzzing framework, right? So if you think about how software works and how vulnerabilities are discovered, Every software works on a specific set of data. So if you're talking about uh, hunting for vulnerabilities in Microsoft Word, you, you, you got to open document files, even uh, WordPad files, anything that has a structure that Word will, will, will understand and will parse, right? So when, when creating this fuzzing framework, you got to be aware of what, what the structure of the data that the software that you're trying to fuzz is about. And when you define this, despite these types of things, there are some things that you can nudge the fuzzing algorithm to inject more data or different data than the software is expected, right? So 
let's say that uh, FortiGuard is trying to hunt and FortiGuard indeed does hunt for zero days on the major uh, operating system, major browser uh, platforms and Office um, suites. Uh, so basically, we have to uh, understand that specific um, structure of the document, create a fuzzing framework for that specific, to generate a huge amount of interactions of malformed doc, doc, Word documents or misplaced uh, data or even invalid data to trigger uh, um, a run on that specific uh, application, opening that um, specially crafted document. So it could be in the case, uh, I was talking about Word, but in the case of uh, exploiting a browser, you can come up with a specific uh, HTML file or a JavaScript file, anything that can be consumed and parsed by the internal logic of the application. And once, obviously, we're talking about generating millions, uh, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of these uh, uh, specially crafted files and, and executing them uh, on their specific platform of of consumption, like a, uh, like a Chrome opening up a HTML file, a browser opening up an HTML file. So once this happens, if something is wrong in, inside the internal application logic of Word, a crash will occur, right? So one of the one of the things that we are we are working and has been has the, uh, some extensive work has been done is trying to automate some of the um, of the crashes to understand and look for specific uh, things that uh, when uh, 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 vulnerability uh, researcher and hunter is actually looking at uh, and, 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 and hunting for in the debugger. So let's say I'm creating, uh, I'm trying to, to exploit a buffer overflow vulnerability and the, the payload that I'm creating, it's all uh, ACE, right? So when I'm looking at the debugger, I'm actually looking to see if any registers are actually containing the strings of ACE. So these type of things can be automated, and obviously, when you have a million of interactions, you gotta you gotta be, be put some some process in place to make sure which ones you're gonna be looking further down. So this is, in a nutshell, how we do uh, vulnerability zero-day vulnerability hunting. Yeah, that's uh, super exciting, of course. And uh, one example which which I have seen uh, a lot in the past is um, applications usually expect some kind of input. So, for example, if we take a simple application with username and password, usually what the expe application expects is a password with a certain amount of numbers or characters. But what if instead of 10 or 15 characters, you send 2 million characters? Yeah. So you, you try to give an application some kind of information which it doesn't expect, and you want it to exactly. crash. Because whenever an application crashes, you're capable of overriding certain kind of um, bytes in the code. So, And that's how a lot of these series are found. And that's why it's also in a time where machine learning is something which is very strong and popular can make a big difference, of course, because these kind of algorithms have a pretty good understanding and capabilities of finding these vulnerabilities in the end as well. And for us at FortiGuard Labs, it's it's no question that we once we find these vulnerabilities and zero days, we go and work together with the companies and vendors um, from these vulnerable products and let them know, hey, we found something. And would it be possible to provide a fix as fast as possible, please, so we can put... Um, appropriate security layers in place. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a big but here that sometimes researchers out there or, or hackers, they find zero days 
And from a financial point of view, it's much more, they have some incentives sometimes to, to go the bad route and sell these kind of zero days on, on dark markets. And that's when, when, when you and myself, Doug, we, we browse those dark markets, we see new zero days on the market because, um, for example, if you probably find a zero day in a, in a popular iOS product, you, you get, uh, instead of a million from, from Apple itself, you probably get, uh, five to 10 millions on a dark market. So, Depending on the severity, um, obviously uh, the, the malicious route is always more lucrative, but uh, it's it's a generic issue which we we have with cybercrime, of course. Yes, and that's why Fortinet is also so committed to developing and enhancing our zero-day threat research program because that's the one one of the most important ways in which we can take a proactive stance and possibly find the zero-day before the bad guys do doesn't don't be fooled if there is uh if we if the general uh security community is not aware of a particular zero day or a particular vulnerability it doesn't mean that they it doesn't exist right so that's why uh having a security in-depth approach to securing both your network your endpoints monitoring processes uh the processes the kernel network connections it's it's gotta be a uh, very, very pervasive and broad uh, protection right nowadays because we just there's there are some things that we just can't really see right so depending on 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 the level of your security uh, pervasiveness throughout your infrastructure if you are just if you just have like regular antivirus and IPS products if there's a zero day it's gonna it's gonna fly under a radar you know so yeah it just makes us aware of what should a really secure uh, infrastructure must be, right? So they're, they're there. The definitely. And with the trend which we have right now, where everything shifts towards software, um, zero days won't go away, of course, because mm -hmm. whatever, uh, whenever software is involved, it's pretty mm -hmm. likely that vulnerabilities exist. And it's just a matter of time until right. someone finds them. And hopefully um, the people who find them, and especially with bug bounties these days, mm -hmm. they report it in a way that vendors have the possibility to act quickly and fix them. And the, the good thing is if, if for example, 40 Guard Labs finds one of them, what we provide is something called virtual patching. So instead of waiting for the vendor to fix the vulnerability, we already create signatures, share them with our CTA community and put these security layers in place. So even if someone else finds the same zero day, and is and and wants to abuse it before the vendor was no. capable of releasing a fix. We already have security layers in place. Yes, exactly. And there's one distinction I'd like uh, to make here between zero-day vulnerabilities and zero-day exploits. Zero-day vulnerabilities when somebody or some organization has identified that there is a possible uh, issue in a specific code path on any application. And zero-day exploit is when there's an exploit for a vulnerability for which there is no patch. So that's, that's this distinction that I think it's, it's, it's nice to have it um, explain it thoroughly. Yeah, definitely. With, with that being said, I think the, the zero day topic is, is something very interesting and important to keep in mind that the more work researchers put in, the, the healthier the whole environment can become and, and the better secure it will be in the end. So. 
everyone who participates in uh, in zero day disclosure is obviously doing the, the whole security community a big favor here. They're true with, heroes for sure. <laughs> yeah, in, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so with, with, with that being said, I wanted to thank you, Doug, for, for this uh these interesting insights in the, in the zero-day hunting process. Um, how, how do we find them? Um, what are the mechanisms behind them? And um, any, any last words from your side? No, I'm just, I'm just really happy to be talking to you guys. I used to do this podcast uh, a, while, a while ago, and I mean, I'm just so happy to, to be doing them again. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad you, you invited me again, Jonas. Thank you. Uh, it was uh, was good to talk to you, and I'm looking forward for the next one where you will be part of it again. So uh, with that being said, everyone who's listening, have a wonderful day and see you guys soon. Take care, guys.